You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Welcome in, Hokies fans, to this edition of the Tech Sideline Podcast. We record on Monday, February 28th. This is episode 227 of the Tech Sideline Podcast, and we had to get on set and talk about the miracle finish in Miami on Saturday with Darius Maddox hitting a shot to keep the Hokies NCAA tournament hopes alive. We'll also look ahead at the final week of the regular season for the men's hoops team and look ahead at the ACC Women's Basketball Tournament starting in Greensboro on Wednesday. All of that and much more coming up on episode 227 of the Tech Sideline Podcast, which starts right now. We welcome you into episode 227 of the Tech Sideline Podcast, however you are listening, whether that's on Amazon Music, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, SoundCloud, or Stitcher, or if you are on our YouTube channel. If you are, we ask you to like, comment, subscribe, and turn on notifications so you know when the Tech Sideline Podcast goes live every week. If you're in the live stream on the YouTube, be sure to leave a comment or question for Will and Chris. We'll get to those with David at the end of the show. As always, the Tech Sideline Podcast brought to you by the Southeast Regional Training Center. They're creating Olympic opportunities and helping grow the Hokies wrestling program as well. ACC championships this weekend in Charlottesville. Hokies hoping to take home the crown. You can donate and learn more at southeastrtc.com today. We have a great crew on set today for this special podcast after the Miami win. Will Stewart, founder and general manager, back across the way. Chris Coleman, lead analyst and columnist of Tech Sideline, to my right as always. David Cunningham, our managing editor in the fourth chair. Malcolm Stewart does a great job behind the scenes, best podcast producer in the land. And I'm your host, Jake Lyman. Let's hop right into it, guys. What a game on Saturday. I was talking to Chris uh, that we had to do a podcast today just in case Tech loses to Louisville tomorrow uh, because then the shot doesn't mean quite as much. But uh, let's look back at that Miami game. Hokies, according to ESPN, had a 3% chance to win the game with 90 seconds left, down by 8 points. They were down by 4 points with 23 seconds left, somehow found a way to win. Darius Maddox with the steal and the 3 to win it. I mean, biggest shot of the season so far, obviously, maybe the biggest shot of the Mike Young era to this point gets the Hokies an opportunity to possibly still get into the NCAA tournament. So many moments in that minute and a half stretch where your emotions just went up and down. Like, <laughs> Padula makes the three, then gets the steal, dishes to Aluma for a dunk, and you're like, oh my God, we're back in it. And then we immediately give up a Hail Mary for a layup. And I'm like, are you kidding? <laughs> you just gave it right back to him. That that and steal it, and that dunk, that was nasty. That was awesome. And, um, and, and he had just taken it in, well he had just taken it in and scored gotten the and one and bounced the free throw way high up and oh that's right that's through. right yeah that's the way it was that's um, great stuff yeah and even like the Maddox shot like 
when he was taking it, like, I'm always confident that a Darius Maddox shot is going to go in, but I'm sitting there like, oh, no, you're leaving him with way too much time. No. Right, right. Darius Maddox <laughs> got the ball in his hands and said, I'm shooting it. Like, yeah. it, it didn't matter that he could hold for the last shot. He let it go, made it, and th- thankfully this time the Miami buzzer beater did not go in. Uh, Would have been tough to lose two games to Miami, both on buzzer beaters. Uh, especially when, like, Tech's defense was really strong on that possession. Yeah. Like, uh, they had Miami had to go to their – I don't know. Second I would, or third option. Second or third option, I would yeah. say. I would, w- certainly wouldn't say that he would be their second option from probably their third or fourth option, yeah. to be honest with you. But uh, Yeah, typically in a situation like that, um, I was sitting there waiting for the Miami possession to start thinking, they're going to score. they got so many guys that can go to the basket. You don't – if you're Miami, you don't want that last shot to be a three-pointer by It was Morgan odd Murray. that the whole possession was just them right there at the top of the key, and then he couldn't get a shot off and just – and then passed, they, yeah, it was, it passed was it to the other guy at the top of the key. <laughs> and that was just, that was not a good possession. And they were coming out of a timeout. But, uh, I mean, Tech locked them down. Tech's defense was excellent yet again. 70 points doesn't seem like a normal average defensive game, but you, how many points did Miami score in transition off turnovers? 25 points off turnovers. Off turnovers. And how many mm-hmm. of those were like easy layups? Oh, quite a bit. It wasn't just that Tech was like throwing the ball out of bounds. Uh, under the basket. I mean, those were live ball turnovers. These are what they call live ball yeah. turnovers. <laughs> and Miami was getting runouts. So. That was a clinic in live ball turnovers. It really, really was. Yeah. So, so my experience watching the game, and you know this if you follow me on Twitter or you've been seeing me post on the board, I couldn't actually watch the game. Uh, yes, I could have gotten one of those Reddit streams or something like that, but they run three or four I hours to, behind. There was a bunch of people in PKs on Saturday. Just simply <laughs> because – Oh, yeah, I mean – Except for the one bar golf group, everybody that was in PKs on Saturday was there to watch the game. And it was on every single TV. It was a great atmosphere. Yeah. So so I asked a uh, – I put a Twitter poll on my feed that said, are you able to watch the game or is it blacked out for you? I uh, got over 1,000 votes in the poll and 46% could watch the game. Wow. Close to 50% it was blacked out. Then, in the, then there's, of course, the 4 or 5% that answers – other or don't know, don't know. You know whatever I don't know means. whether I can watch the game or, <laughs> or, or other um, so so I didn't actually get to watch it live so my experience was I went back and I watched the condensed version last night which is about 11 minutes long and when the ACC network digital network puts together the condensed version of the game basically what they do is they show you all the made shots you don't really get a feel and I get it you know I understand that so the reason I bring all that up is you were talking about, uh, you know, holding Miami to 70 points. Not only did they get a lot of live ball turnovers, but some of the shots they made, that's a really good offensive team. Mm-hmm. It is. And that's why I think that last possession may have been so surprising that it was Wardenburg taking the shot when you've got Isaiah Wong, Cameron McGusty, Charlie Moore, who we've right. all seen hit those shots at times and just didn't go the way Miami maybe planned it out to. You know, the fear there, I was just thinking Wong the whole time. Me too. Like, oh, I was thinking I, more, you know, somebody. <laughs> <laughs> and it seems like both the teams should, both of the home teams in this series this season probably should have won their game. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think both teams maybe would take it because you get a quad one win out of it instead. Do you remember the first first Big East game that Virginia Tech won was against Miami? Against Miami, And do you yeah. remember how improbable it was because Virginia Tech turned the ball over 30 times in that game? They literally had 30 turnovers and won the game. And they still, Tech won by like 15 points. I mean, the, the, it wasn't somehow, somehow they turned the ball over 30 times and blew Miami out. Well, they didn't blow Miami out this time. This is a much better Miami team than it was back then. Yeah. Um, but 20 turnovers on the road and, and you win. That's not going to happen very often. So this is actually, it's going to go down as like 
we'll see whether Tech makes the NCAA tournament or not. But as far as an individual game, this is like a once-a-decade game. It's funny you bring that up. Can I launch into the yes. story now? go ahead. Because Chris and I were both thinking about the same thing. Um, so, so I wanted to hit up Damian Salas and get him to do some statistical magic and, and ask him, you know, when was the last time Tech was down eight or ten points that close to the end of a game? But uh, I didn't need help to remember one. Um, so – I remember this. Uh, Malcolm was a month old. <laughs> it was February of 1999, and Tech beat Fordham 79-75 to in overtime. Virginia Tech trailed with a minute to go in that game, trailed by 10 points at Fordham and came back and won it. And, and the details of that game were that, uh, you know, ugh, first of all, it was A-10 basketball, and it was Fordham and just blah. Um, it was Tech's last year in the A-10, and uh, – um, I wonder if anybody in the YouTube chat recalls this game, but uh, Fordham had a good player, a guy named uh, Bevan Robin, and uh, he had had the flu. He'd been sick all week. He was playing for Fordham, but he wasn't 100%. And so, uh, you know, Tex went in by 10 at halftime. And then some guy, uh, Jason J- Jason Harris, uh, some guy by the last name of Harris for uh, Fordham. He's just, the first ever random dude to ever go off in Virginia Tech. So you know the pattern of random <laughs> dudes going off against Virginia Tech? Well, it, this, it was this guy, uh, oh, come on, oh, Jason Harris. Yeah, fi- finally found it. So Jason Harris makes six three-pointers. He just goes off. And Fordham outscores Tech in the first 19 minutes of the second half, 43-23. to 23. So Tech is down 10 with a minute to go. And then Harris gets cramps and has to go out of the game, and they can't rub him out. So then they got to give the ball to Bevan Robin, who is he's had the flu all week. He proceeds to turn it over a couple times. He's a 90% free throw shooter. He misses three free throws in the last minute. And Tech comes storming back. They make some three-pointers and stuff, and they tie the ball game with two minutes left to go and win it in overtime. So Chris remembers that game, and, and I remember sitting in my living room and just – I stayed with it. I watched it. I, I couldn't believe what I'd seen. It was very cool. It was one of those random random games that was actually on TV. Yeah. Because most tech games were not on TV back then. It was on some random regional network. And your satellite feed went out with what? How much time left? <laughs> uh, it, it was uh, – tech had the was, was had, a, had a timeout and was supposed to take a final shot down three, and my satellite feed went out. <laughs> of course. So, now, back then, we all had component stereo systems in our living room, so I ran over and turned on the radio and – Got to listen to Bill Roth call the game tying shot, and you say once in a decade—that's twenty years that's ago. 20. It, it, it doesn't there, happen very often. There's got to be another one in there somewhere. So it's funny because here's here's a line from my recap of the game. I, I, I start off by saying, "Don't ever turn the TV off," and I said, "I'm glad I didn't because I saw a comeback the likes of which you see maybe once every five years." <laughs> no, <laughs> it is. No, to, to Chris's point, it's like every ten years. Yeah, or so it's, you it's see funny because like. That. like uh, Somebody texted me after the game on Saturday and was like, what in the world happened? What was that? And I was like, that's a once-every-five-year game. And then I got to thinking about it, and I'm like, no, that's more like a once-every-decade game. But maybe it's a once-every-20-year game. Yeah, I don't know. It would, it would be interesting to kind of drill down into that. Well, whatever it is, it's important because it came in such a big game for Virginia Tech. Yeah. You lose that game, you think it were, at best you have to get to the ACC championship to get into the tournament. You win that game, now it seems like if you can win these last two, maybe win twice in the tournament, you're going to have an opportunity in the bubble. That game came at the the most opportune moment for Virginia Tech uh, to get a game like that. So if Tech makes the tournament, that will be a game that Virginia Tech fans will always remember. 
the the biggest thing about this game, you know, you can talk about seeding for the ACC tournament, NCAA tournament, et cetera, et cetera. The biggest thing is there's no longer a zero in the quad yeah, absolutely. win column. Yeah, that, that's the thing. When the when the selection committee looks, they won't see a zero. They won't see a zero. Um, it also, barring something crazy happen happening, Virginia Tech's going to be a seven seed in the ACC in the tournament, ACC tournament right. which means they will probably play Notre Dame. And Notre Dame's the best matchup for Virginia Tech in the ACC tournament out of all the top seeds. And that would be another quad that would represent another quadrant one win for Virginia Tech. If for, if they get past their opening game against either Louisville or Clemson or whoever it ends up right. being. Yeah. Uh, and then they would play they would play Notre Dame in that in that quarterfinal game. And that's a better matchup for Virginia Tech than Duke and North Carolina and, and, and even Wake. Um, yeah, the, the way the bracket looks right now, that entire side is better matchups mm-hmm. for Tech. Uh, I think Duke's on the other side. Uh, who else scares me? It's on the uh, North Carolina is on the other side. I, I think believe. North Carolina's North Carolina. moved up to the three now because Tech beat Miami. So wow. right. Uh, so right now it would be Duke and Miami on one side, and then Notre Dame and North Carolina on the okay. other. Okay. So it's fun. so if we want to get into this now, uh, VT Hokey two thousand asked. Um, a question on the board and said, what teams does VT match up well against in the conference tournament? Uh, what teams does VT not match up well? Basically, if Virginia Tech's going to win a couple games in the ACC tournament or make a run, what's the best case and worst case scenario? And I would start by saying the best case might be Notre Dame, and the worst case is probably Duke. Yeah. Well, yeah. I'd think Duke is worst case for everybody. Yeah. They're, they're far and away they're, the they're best team. They're way ahead of everybody else. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Tech also matches up well with UVA. Mm-hmm. Um, I still so so Tech's got to play Louisville Tuesday night. Yes, if they have to play them again in the ACC tournament within a week, back to back. You know, yeah. don't get me wrong, Louisville's not a good basketball team, but I, but I watched them play uh, Wake Forest. I watched a good portion of that game, and, and Louisville is long and athletic, and they're kind of mailing it in on defense, and they just don't look super motivated. But you know, the, the matchup. They're still a team that can play really well. And, and it, if Virginia Tech has to play them twice in the course of the regular season, the ACC, ACC tournament, I really don't like those odds. I, I would say matching up – Tech wants to match up against a team that is very similar where it's not athletes. When you're not playing against a North Carolina team that – North Carolina might not be the best basketball team, but North Carolina has athletes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Miami is a good basketball team. But, but they also have athletes. And they also have athletes, <laughs> but, but Virginia Tech matches up very well, for the most part, against Miami. I, I think it's a combination of finding that groove. Notre Dame. Notre Dame is a pretty good basketball team, not many athletes. So, UVA. You know, same, right. yeah. So there, there are teams in there, I, I think, if you're Virginia Tech, you know, so here, and here's the thing if Virginia Tech wins one game, it's either it's it can't go lower than a seven seed. Yes, right. so or if, you if Syracuse win, loses tonight, that's true. Yeah. Well, I mean, if Syracuse loses tonight, then Tech can't be lower than a seven. A so seven. Yeah. Because yeah, tech, so, tech has the tiebreaker over Syracuse anyway. Right. I would say at this point, it's a much. It's the chances of being the seven seed in the ACC tournament are probably like seventy five or eighty. Yeah. It, it might even like be. It might even ninety five. The yeah. only way Tech gets to the six seed is if Tech wins both their games and UVA loses to Louisville on Saturday. Yeah. Right. And, and Louisville just doesn't seem like the type to. to, to now beat here's UVA, what I will say. But neither did Florida State. If, <laughs> if Tech is going to get the seven seed, you better hope that uh, 
that Duke doesn't drop below Notre Dame because Duke plays North Carolina. Right. And if and and if Duke loses twice and Notre Dame wins, Notre Dame I don't want to say it's a cakewalk compared to Duke, but Duke Carolina is obviously more difficult for Notre Dame than um I can't remember who exactly Notre Dame has on top of their head. But there's a scenario where um, if Notre Dame wins out and Duke loses two games, which mm-hmm. is probably unlikely considering Duke's only lost what twice this season in the ACC. Right. Um, but there's a, a chance that Duke could fall below to the two line, which it could get dangerous. <laughs> They'd wind up in Tech's uh, side of the bracket. They would. Tech, Tech would have to play them in, in the second game. Yeah. In the so, quarterfinals. But but I think if if everything holds. If if you're gonna bet on it, probability wise, it's likely that it'll be for Virginia Tech as a seven and Notre Dame as, as that two. And I think, in all honesty, I mean, it's funny because when I talked to Mike Bray at the ACC tournament or ACC tip off um, in Charlotte back in October, I asked him about Virginia Tech, and he was like, "Man, nobody else in the ACC gives us gave us as much fits." like over the last two years as Virginia Tech. Yeah, I think that's fair. Tech just matches up well Mm -hmm. against Notre Dame. I mean, if you remember, Tech last year blew Notre Dame out of the building here. And then this year, Tech was 0-4 coming in and picked up its first ACC win against Notre Dame. Yeah, so, so, you know, people don't really talk about that win over Notre Dame. Everybody talks about when Tech was 10-10 and 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 Mm 2-7. But what about when they were 0-4? And Notre Dame came in here, and, and Tech uh, Tech beat him. Atkinson got in foul trouble, and, that, and, and that Tech actually lot. had to come back and win that game. Yes, that was like the that game was the opposite of all the other early games, where Tech was leading and then lost. Right, but that game was actually the other way around. And that's and and you look at where Notre Dame ended up. It, it, watching Notre Dame that night, I thought, eh, you know, and they and now they're they're up in the top four. Um, that that's a huge win well, that people don't talk a lot about. That, this, I mean. If that game happens, in a, you know, in a two versus seven matchup, that's like a, much better than like you would think a two seven matchup would be. Yeah. And the reason is because Virginia Tech is Virginia Tech is way better in terms of quality than a number seven seed. Yeah. I mean, Virginia Tech should be what is Tech's record? Ten and eight. This team should be 13 and 5 or 12, 12 and 6 or something yeah. like that. And right ACC. now, and that would, this put, is a top, te- that would is, put Tech in 3-4 in right, right around right, there. Right, which is where I think they are. I, mean, they, I think they're one of the best three or four teams, four, three, four or five teams in the ACC. And the computer they rankings did, would tell right, you that. They just didn't play like it early in the season. Yeah. So, but uh, they're, uh, they're, there's a reason they've won 8 out of 9 or 9 out of 10. Yeah, and, and, and Tech has won... Eight out of nine, because yeah. they're yes. ten out of eight. eight out of nine. Yeah. And, and Tech has beaten Notre Dame three straight times. Right. And mm. the, the margin... Uh, so, under Mike Young, Tech is three and one against Notre Dame. The first game was... Um, Tech lost the first one, the first meeting under Mike Young against Notre Dame. Probably Mike Young's first year, right? Yeah, and it was it was at Notre Dame. And then Tech last year played Notre Dame twice in January, beat them by 14 in Blacksburg and 9, sorry, 11 in South Bend. Wow. Yeah. And then this year, obviously, beat them by 6. So, so this is a favorable matchup. And Mike Bray's a good coach, but... But this is a, a matchup that Virginia Tech has been able to exploit. So, I mean, yeah, it would lead to a, what, semifinal matchup with North Carolina if you can win. Possibly. But, but that's also, you know, we think back here 
what a week week ago, two weeks ago, and and Virginia Tech almost beat North Carolina here. If it didn't make five threes in a game, <laughs> you probably win the just game. Just make some shots. So yeah, yeah so I, I think if it stays right like it is right now, it's a very favorable draw for Virginia Tech. And still a lot of balls in the air about who Tech would face in that first game because I want to say 10 through 15 is kind of a muddled mess in the <laughs> there, ACC There is right a four-way tie for 10th right now. <laughs> so it, it a lot to go on there. And then obviously 10 and 15 still have to play a game on Tuesday in the ACC tournament to figure out who the yeah, seven seed true. would face. Yeah. Uh, but Virginia Tech, again, I would say right in in pencil, they're going to be the seven seed in Brooklyn, barring something unforeseen in right, the last week. Right now, the 10 and 15, 10 would be Louisville, and 15 would be Georgia Tech. Yeah, and again, I don't really like the idea of Tech having to play Louisville again. Um, hope I'm wrong. Well, we're going to get into Louisville again tomorrow night, Tuesday night in Castle Coliseum. But let, let's talk a little bit more about Miami. Uh, we mentioned Sean Padula a little bit. I want to give him some props Darius Maddox is going to get all the flowers for hitting the final shot, but Sean Padula had seven points in the final 90 seconds to keep the Hokies and in it. And a steal and an assist. Yes. Right. Uh, and he was playing good defense on that last possession. I mean, it was the Sean Padula show for the last minute and a half. It yeah. was, except for Darius Maddox hitting the shot, which yeah. obviously is the moment you remember, but Sean Padula is really the reason the Hokies were even in that game to get that final shot. It seems like we're seeing the emergence of the next big Hokies star uh, over the next few years. Definitely agree with that. Um, he's a he's a good athlete. He can shoot. He's got court savviness. Um, he's he, he's just needed time to learn the system and adjust to college basketball and things like that. Uh, he's going to be a great three year starter for Tech. Like people will be buying Sean Padula jerseys if they sell him. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, two of eight from three-point range, if I remember correctly. Two of nine. Two of nine. That's two the thing. It's like you look at the box score mm -hmm. and you, ah, he only went two of nine, but then you look over there and scored 17. It's like, how did yeah. Sean Padula score 17 points <laughs> but <laughs> only made two three-pointers? And that's why he's really good is because he's good around the basket and he can make pull-up jumpers and things like that. He can adjust his body in midair. And he attacks and, the rim. Right, right. So uh, yeah, you he, know, he's, he's going to be a very dynamic scorer for Tech. He can, he can score mid-range, close to the basket, from the outside. Some, somebody on the board, MJF Hokey, asked actually about Maddox and Padula, so I figured this was a good time to bring it up. Yeah. He said, do you think Maddox and Padula getting significant minutes while coming off the bench is Coach Mike Young wanting to keep Storm, et cetera, happy? Or is it similar to Buzz with Lede and Seth Allen coming off the bench so everyone could see how the opponent is playing early in the game? I just think Mike Young picked his starting lineup at the, at the beginning of the season based on at the time who – his top five players were, and he's just the type. He's not going to change that. And how did the how did the minutes break down? On so I I wrote Roughly this down. Even Maddox and Padula combined for forty three minutes. Aline and Storm Murphy forty one. So right. more minutes for Maddox and, right. uh, and Padula. Eighteen right. minutes for Storm Murphy. Right. And, and I've noticed this like like if Padula or Maddox start playing well early, he will play them more in a game. Yeah. Like we've seen that. Um. I was told, I remember a conversation I had with somebody who works in the athletic department right before the season started. And we were talking about the roster and everything. And I said something like, Maddox is going to have to play a lot more than he did last year. And the guy said, yeah, he is, but he's not quite ready yet. And that was an accurate statement at the time. Um, Tech is a better team now because guys like Darius Maddox has improved. Darius Maddox has always been able to shoot. But his off-the-ball movement on both ends of the court has gotten right. so much better over the course of the season. 
Like, uh, the big, the bigger issue with Tack earlier in the season was not Storm Murphy yeah. or whatever, like people wanted to talk about. It was Virginia Tech's lack of depth. It was that there was a huge drop-off. The, 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 the three guys coming off the bench for Virginia Tech. I mean, Tech has an eight-man rotation. So you got Padula, you got Gasson, you got Maddox. All three of those guys are much better basketball players right now than they were in November and December. And I th- that's that's the big difference for Tech. And th- that and they're playing better team defense, which part of that comes back to now you're able to play Darius Maddox for 20 minutes because he's a more reliable defender than he was at the beginning of the season. He's always been able to shoot. But I- I- at the beginning of the season – he might give up as many points as he scored, and that's not that's not the case now. And, and that's the the counterpoint to that is John Ogiaco, who has not developed that way Correct. on defense. And you go back to that Boston College game um, when Aluma got in foul trouble and went out. That's when James Carnick started going off was against Ogiaco, and it carried over, you know. And so he's only played in like one game since then. Maybe. Yeah, and, and and I I think I mean when Ogiaco catches the ball in the post, I think he's on offense. I think he's fine. He's much improved. It's the rest of the game that that that's not coming along for him, and that's why he's not playing more. But so it's why so Tech doesn't. They only have a three man rotation in the front court. If you watch his if Mike Young's rotations, like he'll bring Gasan in. He'll take he'll take out Aluma, and Gasan will play the five, and then he'll bring Aluma back in for Mutz, and then Gasan will play the four. Yeah. So he's playing both of those positions, uh, or at least I guess he plays the four. Maybe it doesn't matter. It's a three man rotation, and uh, they don't really have a true backup center as far as one that actually gets into games. They've they've got guys with center size that they're not, they're not playing. They're not ready. Yeah. The well, ro- the ro- I was going to say the rotation right now is essentially. If you, if you look at the box score for Miami, for example, Hunter Couture, Kevin Luma, and Justin Mutz played anywhere from 37 to 35 minutes. Mm-hmm. Then Padula, Aline, Murphy, and Maddox played anywhere from 18 to 23 minutes. Mm-hmm. And then Gasson played eight. Right. So it's – and that's when Mutz and Aluma are not in foul trouble. Mm-hmm. If well, there's, if there's, I was going to say, if there's a little bit more foul trouble – Gasson obviously plays more. Gasson might have played more. He got whacked in the head, right? Yeah. Yes. Oh, God. Too, yeah. Yeah. He went face first right into the court, didn't he? He did come back, though. Yeah. So it seemed like he was okay, but yeah. But was it, he it all there? It didn't look great. <laughs> um, it is overreaction Monday uh, after a weekend of basketball. And I want to ask you guys a question. Is it overreacting to say that it's time for Sean Padula and Darius Maddox to supersede Nahimaline and Stormer. I, I think you don't mess with the chemistry you've got going. You've won eight out of nine, yeah. and you know I, I hate I, to say this, but you really should have beaten UNC too. Right, make some three pointers, and you yeah. do. Yeah, um, um, they're playing too well right now. Just keep doing exactly what you've been doing for the last. It is what it is, man. Keep going. If if Padula and Maddox, when you bring them in off the bench and they get a hot hand and they start to play well, then by all means, give them more minutes in that particular game. Don't screw with things right now when you're winning. And we talked about the turnovers, 18 turnovers for the Hokies on Saturday, six of which came from Justin Mutz. We love Justin Mutz when he's able to make those flashy passes, but is it time for maybe Mike Young to say, hey, let's reel it back in a little bit? The turnover numbers have started to inflate a little over Some the last few weeks. Some of them weren't even passes, per se. There was one time where it was where Warrenberg picked his pocket. Yeah, he was just standing there. And... That, that's the thing. It's like you can't be stationary like that in, in basketball. He was just sta- standing there waiting to pass it, and Warrenberg just came from five or ten feet away and just picked his pocket. Um it's a really good play by if one of our players did that, we'd be like, oh great. Awesome. Heads up defensive play, which it was. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I think 
You just let Mutz be Mutz. I mean, he, the guy's a fifth-year senior. The guy also you don't want to change his. The game. guy also had a triple double. I mean, they're yeah. just. I think they're just some games where well, he he. I don't want to say he he gets stressed out, but I, where he tries to do too much. There there was one pass I remember uh, on Saturday where Justin Mutz is standing probably middle of the lane, and I want to say it was David Gasson was on the baseline, and Justin Mutz just throws it over his head, <laughs> thinking yeah, he would be there, that. and threw yeah. it out of bounds. Out of bounds. <laughs> but, I, but but I, then you get the gems. You get, <laughs> exactly. I, I, well, the, the thing is, like, he's a fifth year senior. How much can you really change his game right now at this point? True. I think you just got to keep letting him be himself. Yeah, you know, I, I just I, nothing's going to change at this point in the season. You know, I mean, this is this is this team. They have two more regular season games. We hope a fair number of postseason games. But you know, what are we now? We're uh, uh, twenty eight games into it. Twenty nine. Twenty nine. It's not going to change, folks. If, 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 if Tech <laughs> keeps playing defense like they've been playing. Well, you remember, it was just a few weeks ago they were 110th in the country in defensive efficiency, and when I checked last night, they were 70th. Yeah, they have moved up 40 spots in defensive efficiency over the last few weeks. 67 now. 67 nice. now. So you're talking about people are everybody's talking about their downward shooting slump, and but nobody's talking about their their improvement in defensive yeah. efficiency. Yeah. Why is the ACC network not showing that stat? Uh, I mean, I think that's what they ought to be showing because it doesn't make if you look at their your average fan is probably thinking, "Wow, if they're recruiting, if they're recruiting, if they're shooting dropped off that much, how are they winning?" And nobody's talking about it. <laughs> defense, you know, man. Yeah, um, it's defense. So if they keep playing good defense, they're going to keep winning because they will not shoot this way forever from the outside. I and mean, it's too good a shooting team. I would like to highly recommend these series on the ACC Network. I love to criticize the ACC Network because they deserve it. But the series on the ACC tournament is phenomenal. Watch it. And and the one that captured my attention in particular, because I lived in Charlottesville as a kid at the time, is when UVA won the 1976 tournament with Wally Walker. And uh, I think Mark Ivaroni was on that team. UVA was 4-8 and eight in the ACC, and they got hot. And they beat the number 17 team in the country, the number 8 team in the country, and I think the number 3 or 4 team How, in how the many country. teams were in the ACC back then? They were, they were at 7. Right, at and they were point. all good. So yeah. when when you say UVA went four and eight, it doesn't mean they were a bad basketball no, team. Exactly. You know? and, and they got hot. And then they didn't talk about the next year when UVA made the final again the next year and lost to UNC. But the point I'm making is, I mean, just just and then of course there's the NC State story in 1983. Just it can happen with the way Virginia Tech's playing defense. If the shots start to fall again, they can make a run. And we're going to talk about what the Hokies need to do to get into the NCAA tournament. And a lot of that, obviously, hinging on what happens in Brooklyn next week. Uh, but let's take a break first. First, we want to check with David. Anything good in the fourth chair? Um, I'm looking. I've been asking, of course, some some questions about um, off the message boards. We'll post it on the message boards. And there have been a couple people chiming in. Um, Will, I know you'll agree with this. Somebody on in the YouTube chat said uh, regional blackouts should be illegal. Um. <laughs> well, and my my issue is that I'm a Dish Network subscriber. They dropped Masson, M-A-S-N. Um, and so not only can I not see the RSN games on Dish, but I all of the streaming services won't show it to me. Yeah, 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 right, right. Because technically it is available in this area if you have a different, if you have like Comcast. Yes, it's available, but, but it's almost I've got, impossible to get Masson. Right. I've got I've got YouTube TV and and I don't get it. I've never understood, like, blackout rules and things like that. I mean, I know, like, whenever the Braves play the Nats, 
I can't watch the game on my MLB TV package, so I can't get the Braves announcers. Like, it's blacked out in the area. I have to watch. I have to listen to FP Angelo, which I don't have to do anymore because he— Yes, he's gone. He's gone. Uh, yes, can agree with that. FP Angelo, <laughs> not fun to listen to. So a couple of things. I'm, 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 I've actually got the, uh, the live stream up here, so I'm actually looking <laughs> at it. Uh, a couple of things. Eric Fisher says Virginia Tech is up nine to nine point five to two point five in, in the, the Commonwealth, Commonwealth Clash. Clash, and I assume wow. more separation was created by Tech's track and men's field. and women's right. track and field championships yes. yeah. this weekend, which was I awesome. think that I think that was total of two points earned for Virginia wow. Tech. And uh, stat time with Scott Glessner. Virginia Tech has not allowed a team to score over eighty points this season. Wake Forest had eighty. The last time. A team didn't score over 80 versus Virginia Tech in a season was, drumroll, 1948-49. Wow. That's yeah. So, root for them to keep that going and just be really mad if Louisville gets over <laughs> 80 points. <laughs> Don't even put that thought in my head. Speaking of Louisville, uh, Pylons on the board asked, which illogical their due narrative do you support? <laughs> Virginia Tech is due to beat Louisville for the first time since 1990, <laughs> or Louisville is due to end – it's nine-game ACC road losing streak. Uh, oh, yeah. see, you're worried about playing Louisville twice. I'm not because I think we're due to beat them about twelve times in a row. <laughs> um, so I was thinking about this last night as I, I as I went to bed. So the last time Tech won was 1990. I was 25 years old. I'm 57 now. I lived way more than half my life without a victory over Louisville. No, I was I was seven. <laughs> I want to say y'all weren't. Nobody. I want to say my parents were engaged at that <laughs> point, but not married. Only forty percent of the people in Same. this room were actually Maybe. alive the last yeah. time Virginia Tech, Virginia Tech beat Louisville in basketball. I, I was about eight or nine years away. Thirty-two years of suffering. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we're going to talk about Louisville uh, on the other side of the break. We'll also talk Clemson uh, and a little bit about the bubble. What do the Hokies need to do to finally get themselves into maybe the last four in or the last four buys instead of where they sit now, which is on the next four out? We'll also talk about the ACC women's basketball tournament. Virginia Tech, a five seed, probably needs a few wins if they want to host NCAA tournament games in a few weeks as well. Stay with us. We'll take a break here on episode 227 of the Tech Sideline Podcast. We'll be right back. Welcome back to episode 227 of the Tech Sideline podcast brought to you by the Southeast Regional Training Center. We spent the first half of the podcast talking about Virginia Tech's big win against Miami on Saturday that helps keep their NCAA tournament hopes alive. We'll talk a little bit more men's hoops and also talk women's hoops here in the second half. We got Will, Chris, David, Malcolm, and I'm Jake on set today. It's time to talk about the bubble a little bit, uh, and thankfully, I've been waiting all morning for Joe Lunardi's newest update to his Did bracket. It finally come out. It finally came out, so we know, according to Joe presses. Lunardi, where we stand. Uh, Virginia Tech currently is the top team in the next four outs, so it would be the fifth team out of the tournament right now, according to Joe Lunardi. Loyola Chicago, the last team in, and then the first four out, BYU, San Diego State, SMU, and Oregon. So those are the teams Tech that, has to pass. That is your list to root against. Read it again. Loyola, Chicago, BYU, San Diego State, SMU, and Oregon. So Loyola, I believe uh, they're in the Missouri Valley, and their tournament starts this week. So they're done with regular season play. So they, you, you got to root against them in the tournament. BYU as well. Uh, they have that wa wacky West Coast Conference tournament with you know Gonzaga and 
uh, St. Mary's getting triple buys. Uh, San Diego State, SMU, and Oregon. San Diego State plays tonight at Wyoming. So if you're looking for somebody to root against tonight, <laughs> root against the Aztecs. Yeah, and also root against San Francisco, who's one of the last four buys. Yeah, I was going to say. North Carolina, one of the last four buys. Wake Forest, one of the last four buys. Michigan. Uh, Michigan, they've got an insane computer record and things like that, and they play in the toughest conference, So, but, mm, they, but they don't have a very good record. Uh Last four in, Memphis, Indiana, Rutgers, Loyola, Chicago. You know, you can root against Memphis, Indiana, Rutgers. Tech didn't beat, beat Memphis, so it's not going to hurt Tech if, if yeah. Memphis, Memphis loses. I was, yeah, was going to say, knocked off the ball. essentially, every, just root against every team yeah. ahead of Tech. Florida, St. Bonaventure, Dayton. Uh, every, <laughs> every team on this VCU. Essentially. Virginia. And again, for, for anybody saying, well, North Carolina plays Syracuse, Tech can clinch the seventh seed. It doesn't matter. Tech will clinch the seventh seed with one win. So yeah. root against now, North Carolina. Now, what tonight. I would that say is hard. North Carolina might be the one team Tech might want to root for. And hear me out. <laughs> Tech could end up playing North Carolina in the semifinal. Mm, and correct. if you play North Carolina and North Carolina is a top 50 team in the net, it's another quadrant one opportunity. But right. if UNC loses, they could fall to the four seed, and maybe if Tech gets to the semifinals, they're playing Miami instead of North Carolina. A lot, of, lot going on here. But would, you, would you rather play – would you rather – I mean, I don't know. I guess would you rather play Miami or would you rather have another shot – third at shot at North one. Carolina? I mean, you get a third shot at either team. But I don't – Miami wouldn't be a quadrant one I don't one believe win. they would. North Carolina. No, win. they'd have to. Uh, I want to say Miami. Miami's like sixty around I mean, sixty. They were fifty seventh before Tech beat them, but they could conceivably creep into the top yes. fifty. Now they'd have to like blow out some teams because it so has so much to do with efficiency yeah. rather than an actual. So that's the thing. Do you want another win or do you want a quadrant one win? So let me jump in here and make a point that went through my head in the in the first half of the podcast. Uh, so Tech went uh, to Miami fortieth in the net and won a road game, a Q one game and dropped to 41st. Mm -hmm. um, so people who are used to watching the RPI react to that. They're like, how can they get a Q1 win and drop? It's because of the lack of efficiency, the you know 19 or 20 turnovers. It wasn't an efficient game for Tech offensively. Well, Tech actually themselves, they stayed the same in offensive efficiency, and they moved up in defensive efficiency. It's just the other teams right around yeah. them in the net actually – did a little bit better. Yeah. Okay. So th that's all it is. So there's more to it than don't, just don't, winning on the road. Don't worry about the net ranking. Yeah. Don't worry about the, the, the net ranking. ranking. Not a problem. Don't don't worry about the BPI. I mean, if Virginia Tech doesn't make the NCAA tournament, it's not going to be because of their computer rankings. Their computer rankings are fine. If they don't, if, it's if, it'll be if they it'll be a lack of quadrant one. Right. Wins. Right. If they don't make, I, I want Tech is top thirty in the BPI. I want if Virginia Tech doesn't make the NCAA tournament, I think they might end up being the highest ranked BPI team to never. To not make the NCAA tournament, so, so you, it's you, nothing. You, so it's just a matter of not having enough wins, not having enough, not winning enough games. Yeah. It's, it has nothing to do with their efficiency ratings. Their computer ratings are fine. Don't worry about the net at all. Just look at look at what other teams on the bubble do as far as whether they win or lose, and number of quadrant one wins. That that's what's going to determine it. Whether Virginia Tech is forty first or fortieth in the net is completely irrelevant at this point. So maybe Saturday, this is the, the hopeful part of me, maybe Saturday and playing like that down the stretch was the beginning of reversing some of those early season results where they 
you know, again, you say all the efficiency metrics are all fine. They just weren't winning basketball right. games. Maybe now they'll start winning some games that, uh, you know, didn't go their way earlier. Mm-hmm. And, and let's talk about winning games. Everybody always wants to ask, how many wins do the Hokies need to get into the tournament? And that's kind of a vague question because you don't know what other teams are going to do around you. I want to ask the question, how many wins do you think Tech needs for fans to sit down on their couch on Selection Sunday and feel like the Hokies have We're a shot? Definitely in. Four. Feel, feel like they have a shot. Right. Oh, feel like they have a shot? Uh, two. Two. Like they have a shot. But it's, it, it's, so, it's, so, it's so... No, it, total. Total. It's, it's, so determined, it's so dependent on what other teams do. Other bubble teams. I would have to... So they're currently at 18 wins. To feel right. like we have a shot. I would say, so wait, I would say you have to get to 21. 21. That's so I was going to set the over-under at three and a half. So you yep. think two wins against Louisville and Clemson and a win in the tournament, Tech feels they have a shot a on shot, Selection Sunday. Yes, because Tech will have won, uh, oh, what? Two wins would take us to 20, which doesn't matter in and of itself. But, you know, you, you Tech end will up have with, won 11 of 12. Right. And, and, and how much of that does – how much of your end-of-the-season run – it used to be like you'd, you'd – Tune in on Selection Sunday, and that was one of the key stats. You had your RPI, your last schedule, 10. your last 10 games. Uh, I don't know how much the committee takes in that into account these days, but if they do, then that's strongly in Virginia Tech's favor. So if the Hokies, let's say, beat Louisville, beat Clemson, and we'll say beat Pittsburgh in their first game of the ACC tournament. I think they're in. in that I point. think Tech's in. Hmm. And I think, Tech, I think if Tech wins – Against Notre Dame, like assuming they play Notre Dame, if Tech wins that next game, I think Tech's all like solidly. In. So then, oh yeah, oh, if they won, if, if Tech wins four next in a four, row, they're they're a lock. Tech yeah. is a lock, okay. absolutely. So two wins in the final week and two in the tournament. You guys think in? No yeah. questions asked. Especially if one of those wins is over Notre Dame. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Okay. For sure. If they just win three, then we're having Seth Greenberg flashbacks. <laughs> um, Mayor of the bubble. certifiably insane. No, he he. Yeah, well, he he was. Uh, I remember there was an article about him called, that called him the mayor of the bubble. But okay, so let's talk about that, and that's why tech fans are so paranoid about the NCAA tournament selection committee. Is uh, those four years in a row when when Virginia Tech didn't make it, and there's all these conspiracy theories about just being against Virginia Tech, or maybe it was against Greenberg. Or who was it? The, the Ron Wellman. The, that Wake Forest AD was the chair mm-hmm. of the selection committee, mm-hmm. right? The fact of the matter is, like, there is a conspiracy theory that Ron Wellman fought behind the scenes to keep Virginia Tech out of the NCAA tournament. Why would he do that? That costs Wake Forest money. Yep. Like, so that's one of those conspiracy theories that just does not add up. Now, it could be possible that, based on some of his con- comments, that, you know, subconsciously, in the back of your mind... Maybe you don't view Virginia Tech in such a favorable light because Seth Greenberg coaches him. Contrast Seth Greenberg's comments to, if you remember the first year Tech made the tournament under Buzz, towards the end of the season, media members asked Buzz what it would mean to to make the NCAA tournament. And he gave an answer like, uh, we would consider it an honor and uh, you know we're just trying to play one game at a time, but if uh, the committee deems us worthy, uh, we'd be very, very grateful. That's a big contrast to you're certifiably insane if you don't put us in, in the NCAA tournament, right? Um, so I don't think there was ever a conspiracy theory or anything like that. There was no, no. For all, the bottom line is Virginia Tech, we knew before every one of those seasons, all we had to do was schedule a Division two team, and that takes our strength of schedule and RPI up at least 10 spots every year. 
I've run those numbers. I've yeah. written articles about that because there were tools online where you could do that. So many and we articles, just refused to do yeah, it. Yeah, so many articles you were tired about writing. Right, right. This and is, the, the ironic thing is when we did make the tournament in 2006, 2007, Tech only won 21 games that year. Yeah. They went 21 and 11, yet they were a five seed because their strength of schedule was so high Tech's because they played a Division two team that year. <laughs> you know? And then it's like, he, it's like Greenberg forgot that lesson. Um, so everybody likes to seize on the Seth Greenberg certifiably insane comment. The NCAA selection committee had been screwing tech long before Seth Greenberg ever said that. <laughs> and they will screw tech long after Seth Greenberg said that, long after he is gone and working for ESPN. I don't know. See, I don't I don't buy any of that, trying to screw See, Virginia I, I, Tech. I wrote an article uh, once. There, there, there are 360 Div- Division One teams in basketball. And you're telling me out of all those 360 teams, they just decide, well, we, not, we've I'm got not, it out for Virginia Tech? I'm not saying they don't and, have and, other and, teams and, they and, like to screw. And, and you're, talk, you're talking like selection committees from the 80s. You're talking a selection committee from the 90s and multiple selection committees in the 2000s. You're only talking about 30 or 40 different people over three different decades. It's a real thing, man. Ah, It is a real thing. (laughs) I I wrote an article one time in one of those Seth Greenberg years, probably, you know, let's take four years, probably three or four years into it, where, you know, what I wrote in the article isn't going to come across well, me trying to recall it here on the podcast. But it was basically... Here are the reasons why the NCAA committee said they let this team in because they played well in their last 10. Well, so did Virginia Tech. Uh, Well, we left this team out because they did such and such. Well, Virginia Tech did the opposite and you still didn't let them in. So whatever rationale they gave for putting other teams in or leaving them out, they did the opposite with Virginia Tech. The, the conspiracy theory is real, man, until I find out. Like this year, if Lenardi's like, oh, Tech's last four out, and Tech winds up being a 10 seed, then I will stop talking about this. If if in the final weeks it looks like they're on the bubble or not going to make it, and then they're like a, a great seed, I'm not going to say it anymore. Here's, a, here's the thing. Nobody cares except us. It's well, not like bubble teams don't win the national Well, that's title. true of every team. So, Nobody I, I, cares that, except us. That's what I'm saying. Team. Like, like. When all those years Tech was on the bubble, those four years in a row, can you name me any other bubble team from those years? No, but I can no, name right. Georgia so, winning the SEC. <laughs> right, 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 right. So the whole point here is like, it's something everybody talks about every year for a day. Well, last year, that's it. UCLA, I believe, would have qualified as a bubble team. They were an 11 seed, yeah. and they went to the Final Four and were a half-court buzzer beater away from going to the national championship It can happen. Game. It, it you just know, doesn't it, happen And you know what's often. interesting? The ACC team that was in this exact, very similar spot was Syracuse. Syracuse. When Syracuse was an 11 seed. And Syracuse is the only team to ever start 0-4, 2-7, whatever it is, mm-hmm. and finish 500. Nobody's ever finished above 500 with that poor of a start. Right, right. And Syracuse was an 11 seed and went to the Final Four. That right. was... 2018 Syracuse has had a nasty habit and I say nasty because I don't like them a nasty habit recently of not playing particularly good basketball for most of the season and then winning like six out of seven games and winning a few in the tournament exactly yeah Yeah, they just did they don't and I've always kind of chalked that up to they get to the tournament and doesn't really explain their late season streak against ACC teams but when they get to the NCAA tournament they start playing teams that aren't used to playing against never seen the zone yeah so so to continue the conspiracy theory line of talk what happens to Syracuse every time they're on the bubble tell me everybody what happens they get in 
and North Carolina currently sitting on the bubble. Every you can almost assume they're the going to get what in. What happens? I, I, they get in. I used to, I used to write articles saying exactly the same thing he's saying. I don't know. As I've gotten older, I'm way less emotional about things. And I just, I highly doubt there's some sort of, in fact, I know there's not some. You're talking about three different decades and a whole, like a lot of those people that gave Tech eight seeds in the 80s, I mean, they were, they're dead now, right? They're certainly not on the selection committee anymore. Um, it's just, it's not there. But they're on their deathbeds and, and, and they pull, they pull other, listen, I'm about to die. I don't know. Listen, if Virginia. I have one last thing to say. When Virginia Tech is on the bubble, don't. <laughs> you know what's even crazier is that that Syracuse team, to to end the regular season, lost four or five games. And they lost their first game in the ACC tournament. Right. And still got in. They got in at with a 19-13 and 13 record. And how many? What year was that? That was a 2016. Okay, so how many? That was still the, the RPI. And they, so, so how many? But how many top fifty wins did they have? Uh, they beat. Uh, they had per Ken Palm. It looks like they had uh, about seven. They beat number twenty six UConn, number eighteen Texas A and M, mm-hmm. number seventeen Duke, number thirty six Notre Dame, number fifty one Georgia Tech, number forty eight Florida State. Right. So they had a lot, a lot of, quality of quality wins. wins. That's yeah. why they made it. Going to be interesting to see two weeks from today when we sit on this podcast set <laughs> if, who who's right if, because if, we'll know we'll if, have a bracket. If Virginia Tech doesn't make the NCAA tournament, it, it's it's not going to be because they get upset by Louisville tomorrow or, or whatever, which I don't think is going to happen. By the way, if they don't make the NCAA tournament, it's because they couldn't beat Xavier's backups. Yep, which is our fault. Like, we have to accept responsibility for not being able to beat Xavier's backups, right? I mean, that that's all on us. Um, we have to accept responsibility for losing to a Memphis team that, quite frankly, is poorly coached, yep. in my opinion. Uh, I, I'm a firm believer in you can't blame other people unless you take care of all everything that yeah. you can control. And Virginia Tech has not done that. Oh, and I, this is something I wrote about last week where I said if Virginia Tech doesn't lose, which are now anywhere between – they're both quadrant three losses noted, or to NC State at home and Boston and College on the road. Right. Both be- quadrant three losses. And the NC State game, NC State continues to lose. NC State, I don't think it'll be a quadrant four, but it – I mean – it's close. You don't lose those two games. You're sitting at 12 and 6 in the ACC, mm-hmm. and you're in the tie for third, fourth, fifth. Right oh, now. it's a shame Tech got COVID because I'm pretty sure they wouldn't have lost to NC State if that hadn't been their yeah, first just, game after a 10 day layoff yeah. or something like that. Just just look at Virginia Tech's schedule right around that time period. That, that they, yeah, they were starting to play better basketball against Duke and St. Bonnie. You, then, you you like to talk about the Xavier loss. The Boston College loss is the one that galls me. Right. That's the one that really shouldn't have happened. Um, but the mic drop moment for me where I, where I stopped believing all this stuff <laughs> is if Virginia Tech's perceived as the wrong side of the bubble and the committee lets them in and then says something like, sure, they only had one quadrant one win, but they've won 11 of their last 12. You know, and if they make a statement like that, I'll be like, okay, I'm Well, the thing is, generally speaking, they don't <laughs> – Generally speaking, they don't make any statements. 
They'll and, usually and, have somebody on this election show yeah, who goes and, through and some do, of the big to, decisions. To some of the big decisions. But th- there's not like a written statement that's a paragraph or two for each. Team. Maybe no. there R- should be. There, I actually agree with that. I, Transparency. I think, I think for maybe like the last eight teams in and the last eight teams out, if they had, if they came out with a written statement for each one of those teams, the, the, with a little more transparency, they make people, people feel a little people, better. About maybe, it. maybe people could understand the process a little bit better. That'd be yeah. a cool idea. And All right. Well, before we move on to the woman. We have to talk about Louisville. Chris said at the beginning of the season that all he wants is to beat Louisville. I know, and and you know what Virginia Tech has done to me. This was supposed to be my game as a fan. Well, they've gone and scheduled a bunch of interviews with football coaches right before the Louisville game, so I can't treat this game as a fan. Only chance to sit down and interview all the football coaches. They put it right before the game I've been looking for forward to as a fan the entire season it's killing me right so let's throw that out there uh, real <laughs> quick there there is a media event <clears throat> tuesday night that starts at five o'clock and runs till eight thirty. and yeah wow. yeah it's in the uh football players lounge and they are going to allow media to i don't know if it's going to be a podium thing or no, if they're going to allow me i think it's going to be a uh, old school going to allow time. media to circulate and talk to all of the assistant wow. yeah but but if you read the the how it's worded they're not all going to be in there at the same time. There's They're a going schedule. to bring them in. Yeah, right, right. Exactly. Okay. So that'll maybe take a little bit out of your, your night as a fan for the Louisville game. 9 p.m. tip, so just 30 minutes after that event ends. Yeah. Uh, but, again, you say Hokies probably should not lose this game. Louisville has now lost 9 of 10 and 11 of their last 13, blown out by Wake Forest on Saturday. But it's been 17 straight losses for Virginia Tech against Louisville. Right. Uh can they get it done? Yeah, yeah. Louisville's not very good. When you're, what's their record? Eleven <laughs> um, and something. They started better in the ACC mm-hmm. and then have just completely imploded. Since. Oh yeah, well, twelve they, and sixteen. Right, they're six and, and twelve in the ACC. Six and twelve in the ACC. And, and since January twenty second, they've only won one game. You look at the trajectory of both teams. I mean, they they, they fired Chris Mack, and. Obviously, they needed to go in a different direction there. But I think in basketball, when you fire a manager like that in the middle of the season and there's so much unknown, you're probably going to get worse. I mean, Maryland's gotten worse. Yes. Um, so I don't really understand these midseason firings. Not that it was, not that Louisville would be an NCAA tournament team anyway, but uh, I don't think it's helped the situation because it just creates more questions for the players. And I think Virginia Tech is playing – like a team like I thought they would be at the beginning of the season, the top three or four team in the ACC. And Louisville's playing like a bottom five team in, in the ACC. And the game's in Blacksburg. Yep. Like, if you had to make a bet, who would you bet on? Well, so, yes, that's all correct. But uh, I watched a good portion of that game against Wake Forest. And Louisville started off poorly. They were getting blown out. And then there was about a 10 or 12-minute stretch in the first half where they – outscored Wake Forest, played really good basketball. And that's the Louisville I fear is the Louisville I saw for that 10 to 12-minute stretch. Well, Pitt, I'm not really concerned about the before and the after. That's the Louisville I fear. Pitt played really well for a half against us. Yeah. You'd, you'd still love to play Pitt again, though, right? They stink. Well, the, the quit factor is pretty high. You just, yeah. What you don't want is for Louisville to get rolling and keep that confidence going the whole game. That's the thing. Yeah, and Hokies again, 9 p.m. tip inside Castle Coliseum Tuesday night, and then regular season finale, Clemson on Saturday. Seems like two must wins for the Hokies heading into the ACC tournament. Yeah. It depends. You you probably nice. have to make a deeper run in the ACC yeah, tournament if maybe. you if you yeah. lose either of those games. So 
Again, Louisville tomorrow, Clemson on Saturday. And all weekend long, the women's basketball tournament down in Greensboro. Virginia Tech came up just short yesterday of would have been the three seed had they won. Instead, now the five seed, they will play on Thursday against either Clemson or Syracuse. This team currently on the sixth line, according to ESPN, the NCAA tournament. Want to get up to that four to host games, but probably going to need a few wins. Uh, if they, 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 they would have to pull off one of those wins against a Louisville or an NC yes. State. Uh, kind of missed a golden opportunity yesterday. It's unfortunate that three-point shot didn't go in. Honestly, though, they didn't lose the game on that shot. They lost it in the first quarter. I think they were down by 11 at the end yes. of the first quarter. Just got off to a bad start. and yeah, weren't able to 10 to 1. Yeah, weren't, weren't, out, weren't quite able to complete the comeback. Um, I, you know, the ACC's it's, it's, it's a tough league, it seems, in, in women's basketball. Certainly a tougher league in women's basketball than it is in men's basketball Yes, this year. Um, yeah. Just, you know, you know I, I think they're, uh, they were ranked, tw- I don't know where they're ranked. Has the new rankings come out yet? Not no, yet. They'll come out at noon. Okay, so I can't imagine they would really drop for losing a two-point no. game to, to NC State. So let's say they're 23rd. I actually think they're better than their ranking. Uh, at least from a talent standpoint, they, they have some head scratchers in there. I, I know, yeah. I know. That's the thing. It's like, I I know that at their peak, they're actually a much better basketball team than than number twenty three in the country. But when they're at their worst, like when they played Liberty, it's like, <laughs> they're not. Oh, yeah, <laughs> what in the world? So it's it's you know you don't know what you're going to get from that standpoint. But on the whole, I, I feel like. Uh, They'd be about as good of a good a team as a six team as a six seed could be. I think. Yeah, they could be a very strong six seed. I think they're in a very similar situation to the men's team. If if they just start hitting shots, um, it's incredible how much better they are. So against uh, so I I there are uh, what six ranked teams in the ACC five or six yeah and six. so I so I looked at all of Tech's games against ranked teams in the ACC. Uh, four of them were on the road. Three of them were at home. On the road, they got blown out by UNC. They just didn't even show up. Uh, played an ugly game against NC State and lost by six. Uh, more or less got blown out against Notre Dame. It wound up being 13 points, but it wasn't that close. And then got blown out by Louisville. So on the on the road, they went 0-4, and, and the average score was 65-51. to 51. And in those games, they shot 34% from the field and 25% from three. Now, then you go at home, they beat Georgia Tech and UNC, and they lost to NC State. So they went 2-5 and five against the other ranked teams in the ACC. And I'm not counting Duke because, you know, they, they beat Duke a couple times early. Yeah. Duke's, Duke's not that good and no. shouldn't have been. <laughs> I'm talking about that, that echelon that is currently ranked at the top of the league. Um, so in the five losses, and, 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 you know, Captain Obvious reporting for duty, this is the key. In the five losses, they shot 36% from the field. 25% from three-point range. And, you know, so we were talking about this before we started recording. You can make the argument, well, those are the best teams in the league they're playing. Of course they don't shoot as well. You watched that game against NC State yesterday. That was a lot of open three-pointers that Tech didn't make. Seven of 26. If they just make three more, 10 yeah. of 26, then, you know, they win that game. Um, so this is the key for them is there, there's something – they're a very good basketball team, and Liz Kitley's pretty consistent. Yeah. Um, no matter who she's playing against, what happens, in my opinion, and, and you guys that see every single game can comment on this, when they really start to play the better teams in the ACC, 
the shooting goes. There's so I think there's something mental going on there because they're getting the same shots. They're just not making them. And the Hokies will have to play some good teams in Greensboro this week. Again, first game, Syracuse or Clemson. Tech blew out both those teams when they faced them that this year. That shouldn't be an issue. And Syracuse yeah. very recently, right? Yes. Uh, Tech beat Syracuse in the Cario Dome 102-53 to uh, and beat Clemson earlier in February 73-42 to in Castle. Oof. So two blowouts. Again, don't think you're worrying about Tech getting to the quarterfinals. Then a pretty evenly matched game against UNC, a team that beat Tech once, Tech beat once. Yeah, they split. And you were kind of worried because, oh, that was another game where Tech got off to a bad start. Yes, 21-9 at the end of the first quarter in the second game against UNC. And UNC had actually blown out Tech in the first meeting. Yes, 71-46. So you're sitting there thinking, man, UNC must just be a bad matchup problem. Yeah. So Tech came back and won that game. The, the, The one team in the ACC that really worries me is Louisville. Because then uh, they're on the other side of the bracket. Yeah, yeah. They're pr- Louisville's pressure. Louisville presses full court press for forty minutes. It and, doesn't sound fun. To and with. <laughs> well, and and you can it's it's tough for teams to get in into a rhythm. And Tech had uncharacteristic turnovers. Um, I think Louisville and Notre Dame, who are both on that side, that other side of the bracket, are the two teams that give Tech the most trouble. Tech already beat North Carolina once, and Tech could have beaten NC State twice. And those are the two teams on this side of the bracket. I think it's a very favorable draw for the women. Yeah, and and I, I really think that Tech matches up well with NC State. Um, and and then I then I think to myself, really, because I watched that game yesterday, and and Tech played defense better in the second half, but but, it, but they gave up forty eight points in the paint, and, yes. and a lot of it was NC State just cleared out. And it wasn't all Elisa Kunain. It wasn't her. It was really anybody on their team that they chose to isolate could get to the bucket and lay it in. Probably didn't help that Kelly was in foul trouble either. Yes. Yeah. Um, so so that was pretty horrible, the way NC State got 48 points in the paint. But NC State shot uh, one of nine from three-point range, and that's not like them. No. So, so I say that I feel they match up well with NC State, and then when I look at that, those points in the paint, and I look at the way NC State didn't shoot the way they usually do from outside, and I don't know, I start to wonder. Well, they match up better against them than Louisville, probably. Well, yeah, that, and that's the point. Like <laughs> yeah. I, when they play Louisville, I'm just like, eh. uh, it's just uh, there's two teams in this league that are pretty obviously better than yes. everybody. I would, I would rather play NC State than the others, but that was a close game yesterday. But it was at Castle, and an ACC tournament game would not be in Castle. No, yeah. This is, and this is what Kenny Brooks had to say after the game last night because our Chris Hirons asked him um, just about defending the three. And in, the, in that first game, NC State went off from behind the arc, and mm-hmm. that's where Tech got behind. Mm-hmm. This game, Tech decided, Tech basically picked its poison. Tech limited the three, gave up points in the paint. Uh, Kenny Brooks said, we weren't in our gaps. We weren't doubling because we were trying to stay home to limit the threes. It's a chess match. And then he said, it wasn't about the last play. It was about 20 plays throughout the game. You can't spot the number three ranked team in the country with a 10-1 lead and expect to dig yourself out. And that's what we had to do. So I honestly think a lot of it came down to Tech's defense. And just early in that game, NC State Did they make eight of their first nine or nine of their first ten? Yeah, 11 of 18 in that first quarter. Wow. Wow. 11 18. That's 61%. They led 23 to 12 at the end of the first quarter. And Tech, yeah, Tech wasn't hitting its shots and got a little bit better offensively, but there were a lot of kind of like what you mentioned, Will, where NC State 
it wasn't it wasn't a true isolation, but it was essentially three players on the wing. Cunane comes up and sets a screen for the ball handler who drives, and there's no help defense coming. Yeah, Tech was and not she helping. Ha- and she has a free lane to the basket. And something simple as as that, that NT State scored on multiple times in the first quarter. And I think Tech did a better job from that point on. But again, you can't spot the best team in the ACC a 10-1 lead out of the gate. And Tech... Again, you think as long as you don't lose to Syracuse or Clemson, you're going to be on the sixth line at worst. To get to hosting, do we think they have to make it to the championship? I would think beat Syracuse or Clemson, beat UNC, beat NC State, that probably would be enough to push you yeah. to the four line. I think so because I think you would get two quadrant one wins. Yes. As they, as the NCAA determines it. NC State and North Carolina are both top five in the net. So you that's two very, very quality wins. That means you all beat North Carolina twice and NC State once. And, you know, then you'd play probably Notre Dame or Louisville. Yep. But, but yeah, I, I think would it be enough? And I'll, again, and like Chris has made the point earlier with the men's team, I think it all comes back to what other teams are doing because there are some other really, really good teams. It's not like the men's team on the bubble where a lot of the other teams are okay yeah. right the teams you're battling for a top four seed with are really really you gotta good think they're teams. probably gonna win a couple games in yes. the conference yeah. tournament too yeah yeah so but i don't think a lot changes once you at this point of the year once you get up into that once you're clearly in the tournament i mean unless like if you're a six seed you're probably gonna stay a six seed whether you, you but win if you, your if first you game beat or nc lose, state uh, that, or, that right. would be the only way I see Tech moving up if right. you beat one of those top-tier teams in the ACC. Yeah. But Tech clearly in the tournament. No reason to worry about Selection Sunday for the women's team. Yeah, and, and, the, and the key for them is, is just like it is for the men's team. The men's team has not shot well from three-point range for a while now. Yeah. If that turns right around the time the ACC tournament starts, great. For the women, it's more a case of not shooting well from outside against the better teams in the conference. And again, these are open shots. We know they can make them. I mean, Amor and Kayla King were something like uh, 2 of 11 or 2 of 12 from the outside. They can make those shots, and they were open shots. So if those start to fall, they're going to be a really hard team to beat. Tech hoping to get hot at the right time, maybe make a run to a Sweet 16, which is what Kenny Brooks said their goal was at the beginning of the season. Run a little long here, but before we get out, David, anything good in the YouTube chat today? Not a ton, but I do have this. So I went and looked at, I broke down every team all in the bubble that Joe Lenardi mentioned, and I broke down their Quadrant 1 wins. The average is one Quadrant 1 win and five, or sorry, the average is three Quadrant 1 wins and five Quadrant 1 losses. The, the team that has, has the most... Uh, quadrant one wins is Rutgers at five and five. Wow. The yeah. team that ha- the two teams that have the least, ironically, Wake Forest and North Carolina, whose quadrant one wins both came against Virginia. Against Tech. Virginia Tech, <laughs> so right. on the road in Castle. Uh-huh. Yeah. So it's most of the teams have between two, three. <coughs> there's two teams with four, and those that's BYU 
and Michigan that have four quadrant one wins. Rutgers mm-hmm. has five. Everybody else has two or three. Right. So, but a lot of teams have played a lot more quadrant one games than, than Virginia Tech has. Right. Like North Carolina's overall strength of schedule is, is ranked higher. North Carolina's one and seven. Right. You've got a team in San Diego State that's played 10. Oh, right. BYU, well, nine. The main thing with Carolina and Wake is they have more wins than Virginia Tech. So that's the difference. That's why Carolina and Wake are currently in the NCAA tournament. Yeah. They've won like what twenty one or twenty two games. They're both over twenty. Rather, yeah. and Tech is just at eighteen. Same number of quadrant one wins, but fewer overall wins for Virginia Tech. And, and I think we've talked about it a lot on the podcast, but just the ACC, the fact that San Diego State has ten quadrant one games and Virginia Tech has six exactly. is uh, yeah. it's a little bit scary. Yeah, well, and it's crazy because San Diego's in the San Diego State. That's a West Coast Conference. Or that maybe that's Mount that's that Mount that's West, Mount West. Yes. BYU is four and five and has played nine games. Games against St. Mary like playing St. Mary's is better than playing anybody pretty much but Duke. I mean, that's just the way it comes down to it. And, you know, for a team like Oregon, Oregon is a team right in front of Virginia Tech on the bubble. Oregon's three and six, but two of those wins have come against UCLA. Hmm. So there's a lot of teams that have a lot of quality wins yeah. that Virginia Tech just doesn't have. That's one of the things hasn't that, had the opportunity to have. That's one of the things this election committee, I think it's big for them because to make the NSA tournament, you know, all things else being equal, I think you need to show the committee that you can beat other NCAA tournament teams. Going to be interesting to see how this all sorts itself out down the stretch. Always fun being on the bubble, at least. It gives us something it's, to talk about. It's almost about. like the tournament's already started. Yeah. yeah, because you feel like every game is so critical. Yeah. And Tech, Louisville on Tuesday, Clemson Saturday, and then we'll see how things sort out in the ACC tournament. But again, seems almost certain Tech will be the seven seed when action opens up in Brooklyn next week. And then for the women's side, they are the five seed in Greensboro. First game, I believe, Thursday morning, eleven a.m. Yeah. So on RSN, yay! <laughs> so Thursday morning, eleven a.m. And I want to say if they win that one, there's eleven a.m. on Friday against Thanks, UNC. Walker. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, Thursday, Thursday at eleven a.m. Friday at eleven a.m. If they win the semi the, it, at noon, at noon. So so, right. so Tech won't play a game before noon uh, in in the tournament. Kenny Brooks, unless they get to the championship. We game. told we informed the media. We the media informed Kenny Brooks about that after the game. He wasn't very happy having to play at 11 a.m. That's yeah, if if they if they if they make it all the way through, it's 11 a.m., 11 a.m., noon, and noon. Wow. Now the last the first two games would be on RSN, and then the uh, semifinals would be over. on the ACC network, and the championship is on ESPN. Um, so let's not forget to give a shout out to the men's and women's indoor track team. Yes. Yeah, uh, men's and women's indoor track team both winning uh, the indoor ACC championships this weekend. We mentioned it that that helps with the Commonwealth uh, clash getting two points there. But yeah, pretty dominant too. There were some uh, records broken this weekend. Pole vault, I want to say, broke a record. Um, I'm forgetting somebody else, but great. Dave Chinelli's group, great performance this weekend. I, th- I think that's the first time indoor. I can't speak for outdoor, that but I think that's the first time indoor that they've won at the same swept. time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I mean. Baseball, baseball, baseball dominant weekend, them. softball dominant weekend. Yes, yeah, another great weekend for softball. Baseball, uh, we, we were talking about it before we started. Jack, Jack Hurley, Hurley. Uh, for baseball this weekend. 10 of 11 with three home oh runs, three doubles, and a triple, I want to say, was his final stat line. Uh, they intentionally walked him once, and he flipped his bat so high in the air. Uh, I think everybody had to clear out of the way near the dugout. So, uh we said that besides NC State, uh, their freshman who has nine home runs in eight games, Jack Hurley is the hottest hitter in the country right now. Wow. 
Um, so it was a great weekend, except for the uh, NC State Virginia Tech well, basketball yeah, game. One night. shot away from being perfect, from being perfect. So what a what like the this weekend was great. Last weekend was horrible, and the weekend before that was, was great, almost perfect as well. Yeah. So yeah. <laughs> hopefully not a trend where it's going back and forth. We won't even talk about that. And, right. and, and I was going to say wrestling will wrestling will take place this upcoming weekend. Yes, ACC championships this in weekend Charlotte, in Charlottesville. Yeah. So a lot coming up this week. Uh, Tuesday, baseball back in action, basketball. Then women's tournament starts on Thursday. Men play again on Saturday. Wrestling championships this weekend. A uh, lot to look forward to. I'm sure softball back in action somewhere this weekend. Probably, yeah. Uh, so lots to look forward to for Hokies fans. Definitely no shortage uh, of games to tune into this week. Uh, before we get out of here, anybody uh, any got anything else? Bubble watch, uh, women's tournament. I think we covered everything. I think I got everything in there. <laughs> uh, yeah. I'm just about to lose my voice, so I can't talk anymore. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, well, that's going to do it here on episode 227 of the Tech Sideline Podcast. Thanks, for everybody, for tuning in. Thanks, everybody, on set. Will Stewart, founder and general manager of Tech Sideline across the way, at Will Stewart TSL on Twitter. Be sure to give him a follow. Same with Chris Coleman, at Chris Coleman TSL, lead analyst and columnist for Tech Sideline. David Cunningham, great job in the fourth chair today. Our managing editor probably has to get back to editing more articles uh, with all of the sports going on right now. Uh, Malcolm Stewart behind the scenes always does a great job. I'm your host, Jake Lyman, signing off. Enjoy the games this week, Hokies fans. We'll see you next time.